Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Friday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. It is Friday. Let's go. Okay. I am such a fucking nerd. Okay, so today's Palmetto State Armory deal of the day feels dirty and sacrilegious, if I'm being honest. But I've been pushing daily drops of the micro dagger, and many of you have missed out. You haven't snagged one yet. I have a deal for you a Glock 43X 9mm with a shield red dot in black for only $599.99. The link to that deal is in the show description. Please check that out today. Okay, I'll be honest, guys. It took me almost two hours of reading and scrolling through news articles to acquire enough content for a show today because the news is dominated with the Epstein client list. Documents that include the names of more than 100 people connected to Jeffrey Epstein, including business associates, accusers, among others, have now been made public following the federal judge's December ruling. More than 900 pages of mostly unredacted documents were released Wednesday, January 3rd. A second batch of documents was released Thursday, January 4th. This article says, quote, much of the information has been previously reported and many of those whose names are mentioned are not accused of any wrongdoing. Uh, who's not accusing these people of wrongdoing? They regularly associated with a known pedophile and child rapist. I consider that a wrongdoing. <laughs> and I'm tired of pretending it's not. Guilt by association is still a thing. If these people didn't participate, they were complicit and didn't do anything to stop it. It's like the people watching someone get beat on the sidewalk or the subway, and they pull out their phone and record it and watch instead of actually helping or calling the police. Though the unsealed court documents do not contain an actual list of associates, the names were expected to include some of some, sorry, that also appeared on the flight logs of Epstein's private jet, nicknamed the Lolita Express which he often used to fly to his private island. Those manifest in other documents, such as his private calendar, had previously been made public, including as part of a legal proceeding or public records requests. Many of those who had business or social ties with Epstein, who is a convicted sex offender, have denied any misconduct or involvement in his activities. Well, he didn't kill himself, but he's also not available to confirm or deny these assertions. I move that an investigation, including warrants for hard drives, begin post-haste for anyone found in these documents. Court documents list 184, 184 uh, J. Doe's, starting at J. Doe number 3 through J. Doe number eight, 187. Some names are repeated twice. A small number are the names of minors or sexual assault victims 
which the judge specified would not be released. According to a court record released on January 3rd, documents for two does, 107 and 110, will not be immediately released. One was granted an extension until January 22nd for her appeal about the release and others' appeal is still under review. In many cases, the names in the documents really are of innocent people. It's people who may have been employed. It's people who may have gone to a dinner or a cocktail party at Jeffrey Epstein's home. Said CBS News legal analyst Ricky Kleiman. It's not necessarily naming people who have engaged in actions that were anything like the deplorable actions of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Well, let's talk about some of those names. Juan Alessi and Alfredo Rodriguez. Alessi was a longtime manager of Epstein's Palm Beach estate and Rodriguez, his former butler, who died in 2015, are both named in the documents as having offered testimony. A one-time close friend of Epstein, uh, Jean-Luc Brunel, was found dead in a French jail in 2022 while being investigated by that country's authorities. He was accused of helping procure women and underage girls for Epstein, who was also alleged to have raped and assaulted women. He knew from the modeling world. In the documents, one witness mentioned in a deposition asking him for a job, and several others were asked about him. Bill Richardson, the former governor of New Mexico, uh, Richardson died in September. He had been previously reported to have visited Epstein's sprawling Zorro Ranch in New Mexico at least once. Richardson denied accusations made by Jeffrey, who in a previously unsealed deposition said, that she was directed to have sex with him. He called the accusation completely false and said he had never met Jeffrey. David Copperfield, in her deposition, Johanna Stoberg, Stoberg, I don't know how to say Stoberg, (laughs) said she had dinner with the magician David Copperfield at Epstein's home. Copperfield is not accused of any wrongdoing. So Joe Berg said Copperfield asked her if I was aware that girls were getting paid to find other girls, but testified he told her no specifics about that. Donald Trump. A witness said in a deposition that Epstein mentioned calling Trump and said the group would go to his casino when a storm forced his jet to land in Atlantic City during a 2001 trip. The witness was asked if she gave Trump a massage, but said no. Newsweek reported that a Trump spokesperson said claims regarding Trump's relationship with Epstein were thoroughly debunked. Trump said in 2018 that he knew Epstein, like everybody in Palm Beach knew him. He was a fixture in Palm Beach. Trump said at the time, I had a falling out with him a long time ago. I don't think I've spoken to him for 15 years. I wasn't a fan. Alan Dershowitz. Attorney Alan Dershowitz defended Epstein in the 2008 criminal case. In one of the documents, lawyers discussed sworn testimony by two household employees, 
one of whom said Dershowitz visited Epstein's Florida mansion pretty often and allegedly got massages while he was there. According to the court document, the other employee testified Dershowitz, Dershowitz visited Epstein's home without his family when young girls were present. Dershowitz has previously denied wrongdoing. Ahead of the documents released, Dershowitz warned against inferring anything about their contents in a live stream on his personal YouTube channel. Tuesday saying, quote, The important thing is not to assume guilt by association or guilt by accusation, he said, in that half-hour live stream. That as Epstein's lawyer, he had been on the plane many times, and he had been to the island once with his wife and daughter when no young people were present. Michael Jackson, in a deposition, released January 3rd, Sjoberg, is asking, is asked, if she met anyone famous when she was with Epstein, and she said she met Michael Jackson at Epstein's house in Palm Beach. She said she did not give him a massage and did not accuse him of any wrongdoing. Epstein had cut a deal with federal prosecutors in that 2008 case that Dershowitz represented him, reaching a, quote, non-prosecution agreement on allegations he sexually abused underage girls. In return for pleading guilty to lesser state charges and serving 13 months in jail, much of the time on work release, he also had to pay settlements to victims and register as a sex offender. So he abused, sexually abused underage girls was and pled guilty to that, Registered as a sex offender, but you're going to take your kids to his island? What? Fuck, man. But don't, don't charge guilt by association. That agreement had not been disclosed to his victims, and it was under investigation at the time of his quote-unquote death. Among the documents released Thursday is a 2016 deposition from Joseph Riccari, who's a former detective with the Palm Beach Police Department who led the investigation into allegations against Epstein of sex abuse and trafficking that culminated in the 2008 plea deal. In the deposition, Riccari states that he interviewed 30 girls who were either asked to or gave massages at Epstein's house. When they went to perform a massage, it was for sexual gratification, Riccari testified. And of the 30 to 33 young women he interviewed, he said only one, whom he described as, quote, older, had any sort of massage experience. The majority of them were under the age of 18. Some told him they were recruited with the prospect of becoming a model for Victoria's Secret, Riccari said. He also said the young women told them, or told him, they were offered money to recruit more girls. The 18-page release deposition has large gaps where pages were not included. But yeah, please tell me how these people committed no wrongdoing and there's no guilt by association. Ugh, you can't see me rolling my eyes right now. New Mexico's governor, you know, the one who's a tyrant who tried to remove citizens' constitutional right to keep and bear arms. Yep, she's at it again. 
New Mexico is, or she, she is proposing a nearly 10% general fund spending increase for the coming fiscal year to shore up housing opportunities, childhood literacy, and healthcare access, with additional payouts for electric vehicle purchases. The kicker? The nation's number two oil-producing state anticipates a multi-billion dollar surplus for the coming fiscal year, driven largely by oil and natural gas production in the Permian Basin that underlies southeastern New Mexico and western Texas. So instead of giving the surplus money directly back to the people, she wants to spend more money. Uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham, uh, she published a $10.5 billion budget plan for the fiscal year, running from July of 24 to June of 25. So in one year, that state would be expected to spend $10.5 billion. It would increase general fund spending by roughly $950 million over their current annual obligations. The Democratic-led legislature develops its own competing spending plan in advance of a 30-day legislative session that begins January 16th. Lujan Grisham can veto any and all budget provisions approved by legislators. Legislators have expressed frustration in recent months with the results of sustained spending increases on public education. Statewide, the share of students who can read at their grade level is 38%. But please tell me again how bad you need to spend that money on electric vehicles. Math proficiency is at 24%. The state's high school graduation rate hovers at 76%, nearly 25% of the students in their schools do not graduate. The national average is 87%. Luhan Grisham pledged in a statement to, quote, continue to spend within our means, responsibly, and with an eye toward accountability. Her budget proposal includes a 3% increase in pay for workers at executive agencies and public schools statewide, and larger increases of 8% for correction workers and 14% for state police. Economists for state agencies say New Mexico's income surge is slowing down, but far from over, as lawmakers wrestle with how much to spend now or set aside for the future in case the world's thirst for oil falters. Oh, the irony of being a Democrat and hoping people continue to be dependent on oil. Google wrote a robot constitution to make sure its new AI droids won't kill us. The DeepMind Robotics team has revealed three new advances that it says will help robots make faster, better, and safer decisions in the wild. One includes a system for gathering training data with a robot constitution to make sure your robot office assistant can fetch you more printer paper 
but without mowing down a human coworker who happens to be in the way. The robots used in the trial look more utilitarian than flashy. Equipped with only a camera, robot arm, and a mobile base, for each robot, the system uses a VLM to understand its environment and the objects within sight. Next, an LLM. Don't ask me what these letters mean because I didn't Google it and I have no fucking clue. Uh, Suggests a list of creative tasks that the robot could carry out, such as place the snack onto the countertop and plays the role of decision maker to select an appropriate task for the robot to carry out. DeepMind's other new tech includes Sarah RT, a neural network architecture designed to make the existing robotic transformer more accurate and faster. It also announced RT Trajectory, which adds 2D outlines to help robots better perform specific physical tasks, such as wiping down a table. We still seem to be a very long way from robots that serve drinks and fluff pillows autonomously, but when they're available and they may have learned from a system like AutoRT or how to get the humans to trust them before they kill us, um, just kidding, advances are being made. I, I see the service industry most impacted in a very short period of time. You know, it wouldn't be a morning show without a border-adjacent story, so New York City is suing more than a dozen charter bus companies for $700 million, accusing them of illegally transporting tens of thousands of migrants from the southern border to the city under the direction of Texas Governor Greg Abbott. The lawsuit accuses 17 bus companies of participating in, quote, bad faith relocation plan that violates state restrictions on abandoning needy persons in New York. It seeks financial damages to cover the cost of caring for an estimated 33,000 migrants that have arrived in the city on charter buses since the spring of 2022. Filed in state court Thursday, the lawsuit marked the latest effort by a Democratic mayor to turn back busloads of asylum seekers sent by the Republican governor of Texas. The state has spent more, I'm sorry, the state has sent more than 95,000 migrants to so-called sanctuary cities, including New York, Chicago, and Denver, in protest of Joe Biden's horrible immigration policies. On Thursday, New York City Eric Adams a Democrat, said the city would no longer bear the costs of reckless political ploys from the state of Texas alone, adding the lawsuit should, quote, serve as a warning to all those who break the law in this way. Some of the bus companies appeared caught off guard by this suit. We don't make policies, said David Jones, an employee at Buckeye Coach, one of the charter companies named in the lawsuit. We're just a transportation company. Representatives for the other charter companies, most of which are based in Texas, either declined to comment or did not immediately respond to inquiries. The recent focus on the other private charter companies 
the Adams administration said was driven in part by legal protections afforded to the state of Texas under a doctrine known as sovereign immunity. The lawsuit rests on a provision of state law that bars knowingly transferring a needy person from out of state into the state for the purpose of making him a public charge. Uh, I wonder if Mayor, Ida- Mayor Adams, I cannot talk to you guys, knows the definition of sanctuary. Quote, a place of refuge and safety. The suit cites a report finding that for the trips, the charter bus companies receive roughly $1,650 per person, far higher than the cost of a standard one-way bus ticket, as a testament to the company's bad faith involvement in the scheme. In a statement, Abbott said the suit was a clear violation of the Commerce Clause, which guarantees the constitutional right to travel. Every migrant, bussed or flown to New York City, did so voluntarily. After having been authorized by the Biden administration to remain in the United States. As such, they have constitutional authority to travel across the country that Mayor Adams is interfering with. Oh, how the tables have turned. Uh, Disturbances in GPS signals reported in Finland, quote, are likely to have come from Russia. The Finnish Transport and Communications Agency, or Traficom, detected disturbances in the navigation system used by pilots as well as motorists in the east and southeast of the Nordic country last weekend. Although it said that they posed no danger to air traffic, speculation rather than proof was reported in Finnish media about whether Moscow was the cause of the disturbances, which follow increasing increasing tensions between the countries after Helsinki joined the alliance in April. The disruptions over Finland were spotted on the GPS GM website, with Administrator John Wiseman describing unprecedented regarding the number of aircraft and size of the region affected. Wiseman told Newsweek that while Russia will be blamed for the incident, as yet there is no hard evidence that Moscow was involved. Russia is the catch-all boogeyman, in case you guys didn't know. I'm not saying it's a great country with a great leader, but holy hell, if a country existed with the the reality of all the fear-mongering that is ascribed to Russia, we would be toast at this point, I feel like. Okay, short show today, but I'm ending it on a high note. A 13-year-old in Oklahoma is believed to be the first person ever to beat Tetris since the game's release more than 30 years ago. Previously, only bots powered by AI had forced the game, popularized obviously by the NES system and Game Boy consoles, to the end of its, quote, kill screen, where its signature blocks are falling so fast that the game itself cannot continue. In a video documenting his feat, and posted on Tuesday, the Oklahoma teenager known as Blue Scooty online and by his legal name, Willis Gibson, plays for roughly 38 minutes and reaches level 157 
before saying, oh, I missed it, believing that a misplaced block scuttled his attempt, but he recovers, and as blocks zip downward, he says, please crash, and completes another line of blocks, the mechanism for scoring points in Tetris. The game freezes, the de facto victory, and he says, oh my God, yes, I'm going to pass out. I can't feel my hands. His score read 99999. Vince Clement, the president of the classic Tetris World Championship, told the New York Times, it's never been done by a human before. It's basically something that everyone thought was impossible until a couple years ago. The game was first released in 1985. Willis plays on a cathode ray tube television. So like a tube TV, like an old school TV. Practicing roughly 20 hours a week. He dedicated his win to his late father, Adam, who died last month. According to 404 Media, Willis had become one of the country's top competitive Tetris players since he started playing two years ago, employing a newly popular technique of manipulating the NES controller known as rolling. He first saw the game on YouTube where he posted the video of his triumph. How cool is that, man? 13 years old. That's wild. 30-year-old game. First human to ever do it. So cool. That is your Friday edition of everything yesterday this morning. We will be doing Liberty Happy Hour this evening on Twitter Spaces Live at 10.15 Eastern Time. Please tune in if you want to hang out with us. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing many of the articles that I have discussed on the show and and just kind of battling it out a little bit this week. So you guys take care. Have a wonderful day. If I don't see you tonight, I will see you on Monday. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.